I was mortified about telling my mum. So I said, okay, I don't know if you're like how serious you are about actually wanting to make this relationship work. If you are, you're going to ring my mum and tell her. And he did. So that was big for me because that was like, it was accountability, right? In my eyes. And it was, I am actually serious about making this work because it's not an easy thing to do. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. Today, prepare yourself for one big dose of much-needed sugar because we are joined by the candid and witty and clever Alicia Aiken-Radburn. Alicia is something of Bachelor royalty after appearing on the Honey Badgers season in 2018, then appearing on two consecutive seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. She went from being the villain to Australia's golden girl, but as you'll find out in this chat, her story is far from straightforward. In this chat, we will cover everything from going from politics to the Bachelor Mansion, falling in love with her now partner, Glenn, the cheating rumours that have landed both of their names in the headlines over the last week, and the occasional sexism we saw spill out of fellow contestants, Kieran and Tim. So yes, if you hadn't already realised, there is a lot to cover in this episode, and we cannot wait to bring you these 45 minutes of pure escapist joy. Here's Alicia. Alicia Aitken-Radburn, welcome to Shameless. I feel like this is a long time in the making. I think Zara and I have been chattering about getting you on the show for a long time. I'm like so excited to finally be here. It's a lifelong dream. (laughs) I remember, honestly, it would have been my first, the way I discovered Shameless was a girlfriend of mine was like, you know, classic intro to the pod. This amazing podcast, they talk about reality TV, but they're smart you know, <laughs> smart women who love dumb stuff. And, <laughs> and I, she sent me an app. I listened to an app and I was like, okay, this is great. And then I scrolled back and it was just after my first season of The Bachelor at Ed. And then I clicked on another, I'm like scrolling and there was one podcast about me, Kat and Romy on The Bachelor. Oh, no, oh, no, no. I'm scared. <laughs> For listeners who, who like are unaware on my first season of The Bachelor, I was the villain and I, I listened to it. I was in the office and I just like rabbit holed between like feeling really emotional but also like I love talking about real- reality TV. I love talking about mm the role of the villain. So I've also like my other hat that's like, oh, I'm literally listening to a podcast about myself. My other hat was, wow, this is really interesting. I really want to have a discussion with these girls. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, we can't wait to do that because we are literally going to be talking about that season with you today as well. So it's really going to be coming a full 360. Before we get to anything about The Bachelor or your life before The Bachelor, Alicia, let's start with the question we always start with, which is what are you reading, watching or listening to right now that you would recommend to another woman? Um, I have to admit we're coming straight off the back of Bachelor in Paradise airing. So between four episodes a week, I really haven't had a lot of time to read or listen to much, but 
the one thing that's my escape when particularly in a, in a time like my like sort of last four weeks has been very much bachelor centric. My favorite podcast is 7am. I think a lot of a lot of shameless girls would be aware of it. It's an amazing podcast by the Saturday Paper and every single morning they they cover a different topic. The one I listened to yesterday was about an indigenous woman who has just left incarceration and essentially what she's trying to do is advocate for there to be a societal shift around how we treat people who have been incarcerated in the past. She was essentially saying that like, you know, it just impacts every element of her life and she can't escape it. And so, you know, apart from that campaign, also just a general shift sort of feeding into Black Lives Matter, just a general shift about how we think about justice in society. So that was amazing. And they're only like 20 minutes long. So if you just need something to get away from the world and actually, you know, learn something new, that's where I go to every morning. It is such a good podcast, that one. And so well put together all the time as well, given they do it every single day. But Alicia, tell us, you grew up in Sydney. What were you like as a kid? Oh gosh. Okay. I love this question. I, as a kid, I was the best way that I can describe it. And it sounds really Sounds like I'm being really neg on myself, but it's kind of true. I was a really big tryhard. Um, I love I, that. Same. <laughs> I was just a full same. Tryhard. I was like, I was super enthusiastic about everything, which I still am to this day. But when I was in when I was in primary school, I was I I was just into everything. Like you know, I had that classic. I think a lot of young girls share the whole idea like I wanted to be an actress I wanted to I was gonna win an academy award and, <laughs> and I remember like where my peak where my try like being a tryhard peaked was I was in like about year four or five and there was a talent quest at school and you know everyone's being normal like I think some guy did like a rap to like whatever Eminem had just put out and you know all the other year fives like that's sick and <laughs> And, and, you know, girls are doing dances. I literally got up and I did a monologue. <laughs> like a monologue. No. Jesus Christ. It was just like you're literally 11. Come on, mate. So so I actually had a bit of a tough time, um, like, I guess, finding myself through primary school. I mean, I guess this is sort of foreshadowing later conversations, but at my first school, you know, peak try hard. I didn't fit in. I was, I, I, I had a couple of friends, but I was, I would never manage to penetrate the cool girl group. And then I actually changed schools in primary school, did my last, I repeated year five. My mum just thought my social skills weren't there yet. Um, and then I actually went the other way and I became a bit of a bully. And then thankfully, when I went to high school, I just went to an incredible all-girls selective school in Sydney. And I I weirdly held this mantra with me from the over summer before going into year seven. It's so weird and simple, but it worked at the time to really shift how I treated other people in my life. It was, um, it's better to have one more friend than one more enemy. And, and I just applied that and I think I became a lot happier within myself and I had a really smooth high school experience. So, yeah, that I loved high school a lot. That sounds like a really interesting time. What do you think was going on internally when you were struggling 
with sometimes being the bully? Do you remember what your mental process was? Was it like a self-esteem issue or did you not really think about it? I think it was a self-esteem issue. I think it was, yeah, I just think I was trying to discover who I was and I just, yeah, I, I think it does. I think I think that is really the crux of bullying in whatever context. I think it's something I've had to learn that usually it's on the other person. So you went to uni and you majored in media and comms at Sydney Uni with, I think, minors in government and history. I have all yeah. our facts right so far. We're so Amazing. Right. Talk to us. Are you, were you always interested in sort of how society functioned? Yeah, definitely. And I think it stemmed from growing up with my mum. It was just me and my mum through, you know, 27 years. And she was, she's just like the most phenomenal woman. People would have, would have seen her on this season of Bachelor in Paradise. We didn't really have very much growing up. She used to, we like had a euphemism in our household that it was going to be a Vegemite sandwich week. And that essentially just meant that like, you know, there was, there was, wasn't much to spare and, you know, we, we were on a tight leash that week. And so I think that living in that environment growing up, I remember as like a sort of when I was like 10, 11, 12, I can't remember what government we were under, but there was changes made to essentially the payment that single mothers receive. And I think it must have been cut. And I remember the impact of this policy change as a 10-year-old. And so I think that gave me a really sharp insight into how decisions that are made by governments impact someone living out in the suburbs. And I that that was what pushed me to want to be in the tent and to make positive change that can actually tangibly impact people's lives. Mm. And you did make that dream a reality. You worked for the Labor Party before going into the Bachelor Mansion, which is quite like a shift in how you were living at the time. (laughs) Talk to us about that job. What did you love about it? What was it like? So my actual role was I was an, I was a media advancer for Bill Shorten. So while Bill was the opposition leader to to Malcolm Turnbull at the time. I worked on the 2016 federal election and then I took a break. I went and worked at Sky News, which we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we did see that on your LinkedIn page and we yeah. were like, oh, we're just going to skim over that part. And then I went back to Bill's office for a year and a half before I got the uh, call up to the Bachelor Mansion. That was a very funny decision to work through. But that was probably the job that I've loved most in my career so far. Essentially, my job was, you know, you see a poly go to a school or a hospital and they're meeting patients, they're chatting to stakeholders. My job was to fly in the day before. I would go onto the site, whether it's like we've been like on big like mining sites. Uh, (laughs) I've been everywhere from like Gladstone to Launceston and I would meet with the stakeholders. I'd meet with who Bill was going to meet and just run through what the day is going to look like. And then on the day of the media event, Bill would arrive. I would literally like put my hand up and wave to him. And then I would guide him through, you know, what we, what we were going to be doing, who we were going to be talking to just so, because you've got like a whole 
press pack of cameras right on you. So yeah, it's all just logistics work. And I loved it because it was just this amazing meld of having to balance what the media want, what our office is looking for, making sure the message is getting the message that we want to get out there to, you know, punters is getting out there. Yeah, it was super creative, but also use that, I guess, policy side of my brain as well. So talk to me, how does someone who is working in this very structured, kind of bureaucratic, traditional, arguably kind of serious career like politics, find themselves saying, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to apply to go on The Bachelor? (laughs) Well, the application story is pretty funny in itself. I I mean, firstly, I love The Bachelor. Like I'm obsessed. Totally. It was like before I was on The Bachelor and still to this day, like I'm a super fan of the show. I'm straight into like, and not just not just the show itself, like all the supporting documents. Like I'm in, I'm on everyone's Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm following all the <laughs> drama. So what sort of guided me to apply, I guess, was I was in a relationship with someone that I thought was, it was like I, I'd hit that like really passionate, I like, you know, I felt like he got me. I felt like, you know, we were both in politics. He was a young liberal and we were facing some issues. We're too like, too hotheads and when it came together it wasn't super healthy and so I let go of that relationship we were meant to go traveling in Europe for like a three-week holiday or those were the days (laughs) we were meant to go traveling and I I said to him like look I'm going to pay you out your half I ended up going on the holiday myself and I was in Paris I was bloody depressed to be honest I it was cold I didn't I was watching everyone's like snapchat stories of their families at Christmas I was I drank a whole bottle of wine uh, I was watching super bad because I turned off eat pray love because it was really depressing and I was just scrolling Facebook and I saw the advertisement on the side of the thing and I was like well I've got a spare three hours to do this application I may as well it's a bit of a laugh you know this will keep me company and I put it in, didn't think much of it. And then I was literally walking, I was leaving the parliament gym in Canberra and I was with a girlfriend and I got a call from the casting agent to come to the group audition in Sydney. And then the snowball just started. I'm so excited to talk about this. So you obviously get exception onto the show. It was the Honey Badgers season. I actually don't remember this segment that Zara and I (laughs) spoke about you on at the time but we clearly did let's talk about that first season you didn't get the best edit you did get a villain edit I want to know were you surprised to see that did you kind of like leave the filming process because obviously there's a big break between filming the show and the show going to air when the show finished filming and you left did you think I might be depicted as a villain here or did it come as a complete shock when you turned on your television for episode one I actually like knew it down to a T. I I left the mansion. I, I you know I headed back to. I was in a share house in Leichhardt with chatting with like two of my best friends, and they're like, you know, everyone wants to know. It's like, oh my god, like you know, people don't beat around the bush. My mates, they were like, are you going to be the bitch? Like, what's happening? And I said to a T, I said, look, I think I'm in the group of mean girls. There was three of us but I think I'm the least mean. And (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Kat and Romy, love you guys. And I think that was pretty much like how it played out. I think you have to be, there's like, I could, I could speak about this for hours, but I'm really surprised when people come out without any sort of self-awareness that 
they're going to be getting a bad edit. Like I could, I could tell in every facet of the show like we would I'd be in interviews and you know the questions shift from what's your relationship like with the honey badger like are you really like enjoying getting to know him to what do you think about Tennille taking honey badger away from a chat so you know all the material that you're providing shifts from uh, I mean not that I was providing much in the way of like I love honey badger <laughs> but yeah everything shifts to the relationships between the other girls rather than your relationship with the bachelor does any part of you think during filming oh shit if this is the way that they're starting to frame me am I able to pull myself back from this or were you just not that phased I think that for me there was it was really a myriad of factors I guess I did I did have this magnetic relationship with Kat and Romy we just like clicked from the very get-go in the in the house like in the mansion the dynamic wasn't that like we were mean girls Kat was like the the class clown of the bachelor mansion it sort of shifted once once we everyone watched the show because I think sometimes on these shows you go through the experience of filming and then once it gets to airing I, I felt fell victim to this as well you sort of forget what your experiences were like in the mansion and you just allow the narrative of the show to colour how you feel. So I, I think there were some relationships that came unstuck because it did become very much like the mansion of girls. I think people saw an opportunity in the fact that like, okay, we're going with the, like they're getting the mean girls edit. We don't really want to be associated with them anymore. But in the mansion, like, yeah, but Kat was the comedian. And I think that that was, I think she thought she was being funny in a lot of her IVs. Um, I think that's why I got off a little, a little bit easier than Kat and Romy because I always like tried to make sure that I would laugh through stuff that I I was trying to present as funny I think Kira gave a really amazing interview I think it was in Pop Sugar where she was talking about people wanting to emulate her as the villain and I think particularly in our season I think there was a bit of a like I love I I love to hate some characters on TV I loved watching Kira on The Bachelor so I think there was this air of like maybe we'll be like the funny cutthroat villains and it (laughs) it didn't translate that way How did the mean girl, because that was the label that was kind of given to the three of you, how did that mean girl's label sit with the people that you love, like your mum who you've been so incredibly close with? I think people definitely, it's really, I I guess I would compare it, uh, the people closest to me, they know that that's not the person that I am. I mean, that, that being said, like people always ask me, oh, so like you've had this big shift in personality from The Bachelor to Bachelor in Paradise. I haven't. I'm the same person. Like it's just that on that series, that was the part of my personality that was amplified. Like I can say I'm like not a saint. And I think that people, I'm I'm so surprised when people watch these shows expecting people to not put a foot out of line because it's natural. Like everyone else is going into work every day saying hi to their colleagues and then going to bitch about like Sandra from HR in the kitchen. So like <laughs> like people are bitchy and it's not necessarily always. I do think that there's a there's a clear delineation between bullying behaviour and bitchiness. And I think sometimes bitchiness can be a way that we just, it's sort of cathartic to like go have wines with a girlfriend and be like, oh my God, this is happening in my life and just 
being bitchy. I guess what I'm thinking you're saying is like there's a difference between being that kind of gossipy friend to being someone who makes someone's life actively worse. Yes, yeah. Does having this feedback, like this huge feedback channel coming from every angle once you leave the mansion, does that challenge your sense of self or do you think I'm kind of strong enough in myself to know who I am and that I don't hurt people? Does that kind of overcome all of the noise around you? It was a bit of column A, a bit of column B. I think that for the most part I did have people around me that were close to me that sort of, you know, that I was able to go back and think, oh, far out, okay, I'm not a bad person. I don't feel like I'm a bad person. But it definitely made me, watching the series definitely made me, um, one thing that I do like quite frequently in my everyday life is I like to think I'm a really self-reflexive person person I'm consistently evaluating my actions and thinking was that the right thing to do I guess in the bachelor context that hard question that I was asking myself was am I a bad person am I a mean girl and I don't really know I I, I there's just not a clear-cut answer to that I don't I think we're human beings and I think that probably feel a bit weirded out if someone touts themselves to be some moral arbiter. I like make mistakes every day and I'm going to continue to do so. With all of that in mind, what makes you say, okay, I'm going to go on the show again. I'm going to go on Bachelor in Paradise 2019. What made you want to do that? There was just not even, like, I loved the experience so much. I wasn't actually, I, I, I was affected in parts by the backlash, I guess. I definitely had some nights. Like I remember the last night that it ended, I had like a full anxiety attack when I was just like, you can still see it on my Instagram today. It's a really fun exercise to do. You go on my Instagram and scroll down to the last picture from my bachelor experience. It is filled with sheep emojis, just comments everywhere calling me like a bitch and this and that. And then you scroll up and go to my last picture for the first season of Bachelor in Paradise and it's like, we love you, girl, like Alicia for Bachelorette 2020. So it's just like it's a really fun exercise, I think, to sort of see how we interact with reality TV characters. I loved my experience and I guess I was – I'm realistic. Like I, I watch a lot of reality TV myself there is much more of a space on Bachelor in Paradise to have the different facets of your personality explored. There's just more time. It's a different environment. And you just don't get that on The Bachelor. The Bachelor is a show where, you know, we, we there's very clear archetypes from the first episode that, I mean, people will be watching recently. The girls are getting out of the limos and you have the girl that gets the, we call it in um the real like hardcore fan communities, F1 music, which is like the person <laughs> who wins. And that's like the violins. Me, me and Glenn have been watching the show back and we're like, whoa, this music is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love us uh, too. Yeah, I know. I'm like, far out. We are freaking amazing couple. These guys got to go to the end. <laughs> you've, got, you've got that those violins and the beautiful piano. And then you'll have the girl that gets out of the limo and it changes to this like really hectic techno beat and straight away our minds shift and we're like okay this chick's a bitch (laughs) coming up after the break alicia talks for the first time about those cheating rumors surrounding her relationship with glenn but first a word from today's sponsor 
Hello friends, Mish here. Before we get into the second half of this chat, I need to explain why I go completely and utterly missing in the last 20 minutes. Basically, my computer chucked the fit of all fits yesterday morning when we sat down to record. And just as Alicia was beginning to spill the juiciest details about Bachelor in Paradise, my computer completely died, like totally carked it. But let me tell you, when this recording wrapped up and I was finally able to listen to everything I missed, aka what you're about to listen to, my jaw was on the floor. This second half is so incredibly honest, raw and refreshing and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thank God for my co-host and wonderful friend Zara who kept the shameless machine running along very nicely. I'm sure none of you will miss me. Enjoy this second half. It is so bloody good. I want to know because I think it's a really simple question but it's actually not something we hear a lot of contestants say is that I love the show. Like I love the franchise. I love the show. What do you love so much about it? And what what was it about it that made you say, yes, I'm going back in a heartbeat? I really don't know. I guess when I was younger watching it, I just, I felt, I probably felt captivated by the fact that these women were putting themselves out there in a way that I think is actually really ballsy. It's not, it's not an easy thing to put yourself out there to be scrutinized to and and that's like that's just talking about the public element like you're also meeting a guy and trying to construct a relationship really quickly I mean I find the shows really entertaining and I guess the overarching reason why I love the shows is that I love watching social behaviors I love watching how people like people relate to each other and for me like taking it back to that self-reflexivity I like to watch these shows and think what would I do in that situation how would I respond to that and you know is that is that unreasonable what that person is doing so that's why I love the shows and I just I I guess I I was just a fangirl like I said it I said it last year on my season of Bachelor in Paradise I remember sitting at the bar and on one side, like as soon as you meet someone, even if you've like fangirled them forever, I think that when you meet someone in person, you're like, oh, you're just like, you're just a person like me. Mm-hmm. We're, just, we're just girlfriends now. I remember I I found myself at the bar and I had Alex Nation, who I would have watched like first year uni maybe, Alex Nation on one side and Florence on the other. And I literally looked at them and I was like, guys, I just like got to take a moment here. I cannot believe I'm sitting between <laughs> Alex and Florence. <laughs> I think I also love from a fan perspective, and I mentioned this in a recent in- Instagram caption. I think fan communities are really important. And I try mm-hmm. and when I'm engaging with the show and reading stuff about myself, which I do find really challenging sometimes, like I'll be I'll be reading a thread, I'll see one comment and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm wigging for the full day. I'm in a full rabbit hole. But mm-hmm. I think that fan communities are really important and actually a a kind of private space, even though, you know, the threads that we see on Facebook, people are chatting away with their girlfriends. They might, girlfriends and guy friends, they might not always know those people. But to me, it's not, it's not super different to a group chat where I find, I find where it crosses, crosses the line is when you take 
that commentary and put it in someone's private Instagram DMs. We had a lot of commentary around that. But, you know, people discussing the show for the most part, that's one of the best elements of the show. That's a social fun way to engage. I want to know, you came back in the show, you were this beacon of light, you redefined your narrative, people loved you, fell in love with you completely. Was it a conscious decision for you to say, you know what, I really want to actually change public perception of me right now? I don't necessarily think it was a conscious decision. I was definitely like I went into Bachelor in Paradise in the same way as I did The Bachelor by saying, you know, the best safeguard against a bad edit is to just be yourself in the hopes that you're like not a trash human being. <laughs> so I don't think it was conscious, but I definitely, I think Bachelor in Paradise let allowed me, particularly because I actually had a connection. So obviously that affords you more airtime, I guess. It afforded me to show more of my personality. And in a context, that I think you can sort of see it with, I'd say, Mary this season on her first season of The Bachelor. And I think it's a construct that particularly women of colour get pushed into this sort of like sassy black woman. You know, it was uh, for me, it was so freaking exciting to see Mary as a romantic lead. And mm. I think that, you know, that's it's it's not that she is a different person. She is still that same person. She's still that like amazing one-liners, but we just got to see her in the context of a relationship and it afforded her more airtime and it afforded us the ability to see more of her personality. The softer sides, the sides where she's like, you know, not commentating on other people's behavior. So I think that was the same for me. And in a more wider context, I I think like you have to be a particular sort of person to come on to another show and be like, I'm going to make a conscious decision to change parts of my personality I think that's actually like a bit weird and sociopathic to be honest I think that everybody that you're seeing on screen we have seen shifts in people's perceptions of particular characters but they're not different to what they were on their original season we're just seeing different behaviors from them behaviors that we don't like Okay, so let's talk about that then, because what yeah. I think you might you might be hinting to is the behavior of Tim and Kieran, who kind of caused a bit of havoc in Bachelor in Paradise. They got incredible edits in their season of The Bachelorette with Angie Kent, but it seemed like, at least from our perspective, that they were exhibiting pretty sexist behavior on screen. What was it like in there to see all of this play out in real time? I mean, in real time, and this is the thing that we have to, I think it's important to acknowledge as a cast, and I think that people have come out and talked about it. From a day-to-day perspective, it's not like we're sitting around the pool and, like, Kieran's just making, like, sexist jabs 24-7. Like, it was actually a really fun person to be around. But it doesn't mean just because you're, like, a fun, you're a larrikin, you're, you're good to have a drink with, that doesn't mean that you can not exhibit behaviours that reflect things that women experience every day. It doesn't mean that you can't. It comes back to everyone being multifaceted. You know, I think you can both be that, that man that we saw on The Bachelorette where, you know, we were pushing really breaking down walls about what what it was considered to be a man but unfortunately sort of what reiterating really bad stereotypes on the bachelorette i think my biggest issue there was obviously with the behavior itself but i think that through this season i think that we've seen across the board not just from guys in paradise people not taking accountability it's one thing that i've tried to do across my whole 
career on The Bachelor, I guess. When me, Kat and Romy came off the first show, you know, there was a little bit of chat about the edit because obviously it is a little aspect of what what brings you to being a mean girl. But we were also, we also were pretty open about the fact that like we were watching this play out on screen. And of course we regretted our actions. Of course, when we watched it back, we were mortified. Of course, we acknowledged that that's not how you should treat people. I guess I wish I would have seen a little bit more of that this season of people being like, hey, it doesn't doesn't mean I'm a totally bad human being. I just made some bad decisions. I got caught up in a what is a really intense environment. And I like those honest conversations. I want to ask you about Glenn, of course, because Yay. Glenn and you were kind of the shining light with Mary and Connor through kind of the whole Bachelor in Paradise. You fell head over heels in love with him. What do you like most about him? What did you like most about him when you first met him? And what made you fall in love so deeply in this very intense environment? Glenn is just freaking amazing. I think he's probably like outside. <laughs> he's like outside of he's now. Like ear to the wall. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, say it again. He's he's an amazing person. And I think for me, I mean, I spoke about it on the show. To be honest, in the beginning, it was physical for me. I'm not a person that usually like I said on the show, like I'm not a person that's usually like I don't go to the club and I'm like, wow, that guy's really hot. That makes me want to like sleep with him or something. Like a lot of women, the way that I've formed physical connections with people is usually because I'm like intoxicated a little bit of like what what sort of person they are, like what can they offer me from a like, you know, in terms of intellectual stimulation, like are they a fun person to be around? So I've never really experienced that whole like, wow, that's a hot guy. I want to like get him to bed. <laughs> and with Glenn, it was very much like that. So I don't think people really saw that much of it because, you know, the episodes only have that much time. But in the beginning of Paradise for us, I was actually like, I was trying to figure out whether it was just physical. And then this one night we sat down and we just had this conversation where we just yapped at each other for like two or three hours. And I guess that showed me okay, you guys can talk to each other. This is good. I think where I am now and where where our relationship is at now, the reason why I love him so much is that I've never had a partner in my life where I feel like they are just as in the relationship as I am. I've always felt, I guess, and this is a very universal thing for women, I guess I've always felt that I put in more effort. I yeah. want to do I want to do more things for the other person. And he's just like, we are really like truly, I use the word part, I find myself using the word partner about him a lot because we are really a team. It's not necessarily always the perfect perception that you get on TV, but I also like I've I haven't been in a relationship yet in my life that hasn't been colored by chaos. I've always associated love with like really chaotic feelings. I've always been in these relationships where you know we'd fight a lot and I would interpret that in my mind as passion or something. And this relationship is just nothing like that. We actually don't fight very much at all. We have we discuss things as they come up. <laughs> How nice is that? How nice is that? Like, I mean, we talk about the bar being low, but 
I think you do need to find that person because it's not just it's not just romantic relationships. I think we find those people in our own lives, personal lives, you know, girls that we've shared house with in the, in the past. Like you find that person where you actually can deal with conflict in a really healthy way without like, you know, yelling each in, in each other's faces. And I think we find those in platonic relationships. And I've just managed, like I always said that I wanted to find someone that is essentially like my best friend in the same way as my good girlfriends and my best friends. And I've definitely found that in Glenn. Oh, I love it so much. And my mom, actually, I should give my mom a shout out right now Yay. because when I called her, yesterday and said, oh, we're going to interview Alicia. She said, stop it. Stop it. Can you call me into the show? Because she loves you and Glenn so much. But, and I think a lot of people feel like that. They naturally get quite invested. And I think what a lot of people also don't realize is that this was a show that was filmed in November and a lot has happened in the last nine months. And I think what's been quite interesting is seeing all of the stories that have surfaced, you know, that have kind of been, it's almost been like a dam wall protecting these stories from the last nine months that have just broken this week. Yeah. One of those stories was one with your name attached to it. And it was about a one or two week break that you and Glenn took late last year, where he kissed another contestant from your season. And I want to know what it's been yeah. like seeing other people try to share those stories on your behalf to try and, I don't know, undermine your relationship <laughs> by publicly exposing this stuff. Okay. It's like, firstly, it's just been like, it's it's awful to to have people like because that's what that's what it really is like if we want to talk plainly about it I felt like there have been particular people in the cast who were just like you know what this is my opportunity to fuck her shit up like I don't really like her as a person so I'm not enjoying seeing her have this fun like opportunity play out on screen like people seem to be really positive and just want to like tear you down as a person. So let's talk openly firstly, because this is my first opportunity that I've yeah. had to talk about what happened just plainly and honestly, which I guess we've never, as a couple, we've never tried to hide what happened after Paradise. I think people assumed that we were going to and they weren't happy with that. So they jumped the gun for us. When we left Paradise, about a week after Paradise, we both flew back into Sydney. We spent a week together and then Glenn flew back to Perth. And a week after, he FaceTimed me and, you know, he said, like, we've got to speak about something. And the day after, he, he'd, like, gone to a Bucks party, ended up at a party with Eleanor. They shared a kiss. He rang me the next day, FaceTimed me, told me. Obviously, I was like broken. I was absolutely, I said to him on the phone, like, I didn't want to be this girl again. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be heartbroken. Uh, this was meant to be my fairy tale. And this is just, yeah, this sucks. It was a, a week of ups and downs. I, I genuinely believed that he had made a really horrific mistake. I bought that. I didn't want to, I was mortified about telling my mom. So I said, okay, I don't know if you're like how serious you are about actually wanting to make this relationship work. If you are, you're going to ring my mom and tell her. And he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He called your mom. He called my mom. So that was big for me because that was like, it was accountability, right? In my eyes. And it was I am actually serious about making this work because it's not an easy thing to do to read. <laughs> um, so that happened. Then the weekend after, you know, me sitting in my hurt, my how broken I was, 
So that manifested in a really unhealthy way. And at a party, I slept with Scott, which seems to be the clincher for some of our detractors. They're like, oh, the word hooked up's being used. She was a thirsty bitch. Like, <laughs> it's like, let me just like, we'll just tell our story. We're not, we're not being dishonest. So that happened. I then also, you know, honesty is the best policy. I shared that with Glenn straight away. And then that forced us. He was actually over in Sydney and the very next day on the Sunday, we sat down, we were sitting in a park in Summer Hill and we had some really big conversations. For me, one of my biggest ones was philosophically getting past, you know, people throw throw around like once a cheater, always a cheater. I was like, is are the actions that I'm seeing now, is that is that, am I, am I going to be to my biggest detriment if I decide to proceed with this relationship? And we had those big conversations and that was really nine months ago. <laughs> we moved past it because, I mean, I think that this will be unpacked even further probably over the years, I guess. Does a week like this one where people start talking about something that's quite personal and quite intimate to your relationship start bringing stuff up? Like I can't imagine it's been a pretty easy week to see people talking oh. about it now. It's definitely been hard, but I think it's also been an opportunity for me and Glenn in the practical side of our relationship. Like this is where we shine. We shine like through adversity. And it was what happened back then as well. Honestly, it sounds, I know it's going to be difficult for some people to grapple with in the same way as some people will just hear it and they'll be like, oh, you guys don't love each other, like, next. (laughs) You guys are going to break up, like, in six months. See ya. And I understand that. Some people have a a very emotional reaction to things like that. But I guess for me, back then it was where we shone. It was the fact that he was willing to come to the table with me to communicate, to have those big big conversations. He literally, like, we read Esther Perel together. (laughs) Yeah, so I got it at, I got State of Affairs at an airport somewhere and I like had been, I'd been taking photos of excerpts from the book and then I'd been sending them to him to be like, what do you think of this part? Like, how do you feel about this? And then he sent me a screenshot. He he listens to audiobooks because he drives a lot for work. And he like sent me a screenshot that he'd started Esther Perel. And I was like, this is my guy. Like he's not, he's not running away when it gets difficult. He's actually here at the table, like wanting to work through things with me. That was this week as well. It was a really hard week. I, I'm particularly like, I'm a really anxious person. I was wigging. I was like, as soon as I got wind, because this is how painful it was, right? In a 24 hour period, I got a message from, I think people can guess who, saying, hey, Leash, like I've heard that you guys are still together. I'm so happy for you, like so proud of you, kiss, kiss. And then 12 hours later messaged me saying like, oh, I heard you um, F Scott. I can't wait for that to come out. That's some high school shit popcorn emoji, popcorn emoji. And I'm like, this is my life. Why? (laughs) It's like it's just a really. Yeah, is there a part of that even though you love the franchise and love that what comes with it? Is there a part of you that just resents kind of how high school some of the drama can be reduced to? I think I I resent that some people, and to be honest, I've I guess like when I've watched reality TV, I've been guilty of this as well. But people not realizing that, like, I think we tend to talk quite flippantly about stuff. And this is like real people's lives and real people's emotions. I think you hear about it often when 
we talk about like people sliding into cast DMs with really nasty stuff and people reminding them, hey, look, I'm a real person, like I'm reading that and that can really put me into a cycle of shame and hurt. But I think the cast do that to each other as well and I think I've always tried to be pretty cognizant. Like there are times that you just want to unleash, like there are times I want to just get on my Instagram story and, you know, go to town. But I'm cognizant that these are people's lives and putting something out there in the public domain can really absolutely rattle someone to their core. How is life now? How are you both doing? It's amazing. I love Perth. We've just got a little, it's it's what I've always wanted, to be honest. I've never lived with a partner and we have been, I said to Glenn this morning when I woke up, I, I moved over just before the hard border closure. So that's March. And we've, we haven't spent a night apart. We haven't woken, I haven't woken up with, without him in the morning. <laughs> I sometimes worry I'm like a little bit, you know, I'm going to have that, um, what's it called when someone, you know, you like drop someone at daycare or something like that. And you're like, like completely codependent. Yeah, I do, I do worry about that a little bit, but you know, we're really enjoying life. It's very normal and boring. I like, I literally you know, after all the glitz and glam of doing like Studio 10 and talking to all the media outlets, he took me to the Department of Transport and we registered my car because I was like, oh, we're working every other day. I'm never going to get an opportunity to register this car. So yeah, it's fairly boring, but we just love each other. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm also thankful for the franchise for giving me, Glenn. What's next for you? I'm, I'm honestly, it's been two years of a lot of excitement and chaos and I'm excited to get back to, you know, going to work every day, bringing in a salary, saving for I don't know what, yeah, (laughs) might be a house deposit, might be a holiday when we can go on one, but I'm excited to just be in a routine, go to the gym, go to work (laughs) and come home and cook dinner. Boring is the best. Boring is exactly what you want. With all of this in mind, Alicia, how do you define success? To me, Oh gosh, that's really hard because I've I've also had a huge shift in the way that I feel about success. I used to think that it was associated with, you know, getting a particular position at work. I thought that, for instance, in a bachelor context, I, I there was a part of me that thought if Australia loves me on Bachelor in Paradise, that'll make me happy. There is really no magic pudding to happiness. So success to me is getting myself to a really stable position, having a roof over my head, having a group of friends that I see regularly. That's like, it's it's all, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's all the boring stuff. Alicia, thank you so much for being A, so generous in what you share, but B, just being such a light in this show. Like <laughs> every time I've been watching you on Bachelor in Paradise, I thought the Bachelor in Paradise producers must be so fucking thankful they have Alicia Aitken Radburn there to narrate the whole thing for them. Thank you so much. I'm like, it's been an amazing experience and being on Shameless has just topped it off. Thank you so much for listening to this In Conversation episode of Shameless with Alicia Aitken-Radburn. If you'd love to hear more from Alicia, you can find her on Instagram at Alicia, that's Alicia with an I, dot Aitken-Radburn. 
If you did love this chat, she's also launching a podcast with Network 10 this week. Keep an eye out for that in your feeds on Friday. We also recommend, if you can't wait until then, go back through our shameless feed and find interviews with the likes of Bachelor host Ofra Gunsberg and superstar former contestant Brooke Blurton. I will pop the links to both of those episodes in our show notes. As for us, well, as always, you will find us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. While we have you, you've actually got four more days to enter our friendship fund competition. We are raising money for domestic violence charity Safe Steps Victoria. We have currently raised $9,000. We want to reach 10K by next Monday. All you need to do is round up your group of girlfriends or your best mate, donate $10 to our GoFundMe, and you will go in the running to win $2,200 worth of shameless beauty products that we have collected from PR agencies. How easy is that? So, so good. Just doing a little bit of good and getting rewarded for it. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. We'll be back in your ears for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture on Monday. Bye. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real-life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.